investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 24 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So there's a lot going on in the world at the moment and unfortunately a fair amount of uncertainty as well, which is what I wanted to discuss today. A lot of those um, hot topics too, are um, they've got some form of impact on the property market to a degree. So there's things like obviously COVID, which we've all been running through, but there's a lot more talk um, in the current market of interest rate rises and obviously the uh, developments over in the Ukraine, which are quite concerning, um, how that might impact on global markets and therefore directly on the property market as well. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to talk about, which comes up quite regularly um, as, a, as a how does this play out with the property market um, and people's decision making, is around both federal and state elections um, and how that can d- impact on the property market and people's decision making and their mindset. And obviously elections at the best of times can, um, can bring about different impacts uh, and they can bring about levels of uncertainty that people feel uncomfortable with. So obviously differing agendas from political parties and differing policies that they might have and obviously differing opinions on global and domestic matters which um, which can impact on people's day-to-day life but also on their um, on what they might do from an investment strategy point of view. And it can create uncertainty for both sides of a property transaction. So it's not a matter of just being for buyers or for, for vendors. And both can have uncertainty as to what might play out as a result of an election. Many buyers and sellers hold off making decisions, particularly when they see something on the horizon. And for Victorians, um, in 2022, we're offering up both a federal and a state election in May and November, respectively. So there's a fair bit on the plate there. And that's something that we wanted to have a look at today, just to see how that might how it's impacted um, in the past and therefore what we might expect to come about this year or what we could expect to come out this year and whether or not it's likely to um, impact the property market uh, either negatively or positively. So let's firstly look back um, from a a past perspective and look at some of the auctions that have occurred uh, and what might come about this time around. So clearly like an auction, a um, an election, they're all different. They're not, there's nothing's the same. Everything's unique. There's different politicians. There's different issues. There's different policies. Um, and we've seen over the years that auction numbers can quite often stagnate in the lead up to an election. Vendors are looking to minimize any interruptions or possibly negative impacts that might uh, hurt their campaign. And they'll wait for the certainty sometimes of an election result as one way to, to give them that certainty that they're after. However, it's not always the case that, that auction numbers drop off. So let's have a look firstly at federal at, at the most recent federal elections and see how they've hap- impacted. So the most recent was 2019. Um, and if we look back at um, auction numbers, they actually increased in the lead up to the May 18th election date. Now, there was a, a number of reasons for this, but obviously property was a, a quite a hot topic and one of the key issues being debated at the time. Um, and at the time, the opposition Labor Party had proposed some policy changes um, to negative gearing and to land tax. And these were set to be introduced as of the 1st of January 2020, should they have been um, elected into government. Uh, and the majority of polls at the time suggested that it was likely to be a Labor victory. And as a result, and with those deadlines and timelines on the horizon, there were a number of vendors that actually decided to put their properties on the market at the start of 2019, particularly if they were going to be properties that were attractive 
to investors to try and take advantage of those that would still be entitled to negative gearing benefits um, up until the end of 2019 um, in the hope that there might be extra levels of competition and they might get a bit of a premium being paid. Um, so there was certainly quite a bit of that going on. The interesting thing to note too at the time was that um, even after the election result, the, the market just grew from strength to strength. And the perception was, and the reasoning that many had, was that um, a pro-property investment election result, which is what it was deemed to be, gave the market further confidence and led to things kicking along. And so even when we did hit um, the uncertainty of COVID in early 2020, um, once we figured out how we were going to live with it, what we were going to do, the property market continued to, to build and once you were able to transact by the mid of 2020, um, things kept moving along quite well, which was, which was a positive. There was a similarly um, property-focused election back in 2016 when at that time, again, the, um, the Labor Party was talking about uh, making some changes and amendments to, to negative gearing. And so property was quite a hot topic, but the market responded very differently at the time. And certainly leading into the 2016 um, election, federal election, the the numbers um, from a supply point of view were as much as 30% down in Victoria on the same time previously. So around May, we had an election that year in July. Um, around May, at that point in time, compared to 2015, we were around a third less. So there was certainly a far more cautious approach taken to that election. Um, some of it was reasoned potentially around the fact that um, there wasn't a great deal of confidence um, and uh, in the market, and but they're also, so they, they were waiting for some for a degree of certainty. And the fact that the, the Labor government wasn't seen as um, a likely uh, alternate government, it was more expected at that stage that the polls were thinking that the, uh, the coalition would be successful. Whereas in 2019, um, that wasn't the case. So if we look at, say, at a state election now, um, and we'll go back to November 2018, which was when our most recent um, state election occurred, at that time, the property market, um, it was quite soft. Uh, there really wasn't a lot of activity around. Um, we look at November when the election occurred, as I said, it's usually a time for the market to be quite well supplied. Um, the clearance rates do start to slow down at that time after we come off what's usually the peak of the market in October and you've lost a few buyers and so the clearance rate starts to tend to slow down. Um, you get interruptions in November of, uh, of Melbourne Cup long weekends, that sort of thing too. And then if you can, if you uh, put a, an election in there as well, it, it makes another um, interruption to the market. But the spring as a whole was definitely down on usual levels. We weren't seeing the same level of supply that we had previous years. And so the election certainly played a part in this, people holding back, waiting to get some certainty. At the time, we, were, we had a, a Labor government and a likely um, returning of a Labor, Labor government with Dan Andrews. But there had been a, a bit of property talk. Um, some of the, uh, the property... Uh, groups such as the REIV, the Property Council, those sorts of um, groups had been campaigning or certainly bringing to the fore that the Labor government had introduced 14 um, new property taxes in different forms over their uh, their previous four-year period. And um, and that was certainly something, and there was concerns that there may have been some um, inc further increases to stamp duty over um, the next um election campaign as well. So it was just, it was quite mindful. Uh, and, and as a result, again, um, 
there was uh, the supply levels were certainly quite quite flat and quite soft, and the clearance rate was quite weak as well. Um, now it does need to be said that the property market in 2018 um, was quite soft as well. So it wasn't just the the election didn't change the market um, from being strong to all of a sudden meaning that it was it was weak and, and there wasn't the level of interest. Um, it was quite soft and it had a couple of years. Um, so 2017, it was quite strong, but we were pretty quiet through 2018. Um, however, you look back in hindsight and that was clearly a, a really good time to buy. It brings to mind um, Warren Buffett saying of it was it's wise for investors to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. And obviously that was quite appropriate at the time, given we, we look at what happened through 2019 and into 2020 and, and 21 as well. Okay, so if we have a look forward now at um, 2022 and the two elections that we've got coming up this year for, for Victorians, how is that likely to um, to impact on the market? Well, at the moment, that market's still very much recalibrating after two years of really, really strong growth. Um, it's starting to find its its level. There's a there's The supply levels certainly towards the end of 2021 and into 2022 have been quite good. Certainly, there's been some vendors who've been prepared to, uh, to test the market. Um, after seeing some strong results through last year. Um, now, housing affordability, that continues to be a pretty hot topic, um, both across federal and state governments. Um, and that's obviously to do with the fact that we've had some pretty strong growth rates uh, over the last two years. But there hasn't really been a lot of specific property policy um, discussed, unlike, particularly from a federal government perspective, there hasn't been a lot of um, alternates put forward. The, the affordability has been the main focus point, but um, that's not likely to drive an incentive one way or the other uh, for both buyers or sellers to, to determine whether or not they should try and do something before an election or wait and do it after an election. So it's not looking like it's going to have the same um, level of impact that it may have had in, in previous years. From a state government point of view, um, the one major property topic that I'd say that's been discussed has been um, the coverage around the uh, the current government's proposal and then scrapping of the 1.75% levy on new developments. And there was some concern around that, obviously, from developers because they um, they put out a bit of a scare, cam scare campaign around um, it potentially increasing the cost of um, of buildings because it will increase purchasing costs and therefore that will be passed on and therefore that will exacerbate the affordability crisis. So that was certainly put out there and the government weren't overly happy about that, um, but they did end up scrapping that uh, that levy. So it's it's not really forming part of the, uh, the election campaign at this stage. So in short, I would suggest that um, from a buyer's point of view, um, with the elections coming up this year, unless a change of government could directly impact on your personal circumstances, so employment um, or uh, wages, that type of thing, it really sh an election on the horizon really shouldn't change your approach to the market. If you've found the right property for you, um, you're ready to go, you've got your finance sorted, you've got security in that, and you're very comfortable, and you're ready to make that lifestyle change, an election shouldn't sway your decision making. Now, from a vendor's point of view, in 2022, the biggest thing to be mindful of is to avoid your campaign being directly impacted by an election. And what I mean by that is to avoid the election occurring within your campaign. So if possible, you don't want the election to be even within your advertising period, but definitely you don't want the election to be on your date um, 
of, uh, of auction, if that's your method, or around your conclusion of expression of interest. Private sales, probably less of an impact, but um, certainly with an auction, you need to be very mindful of that, just to, um, to make sure that it doesn't um, impact on attendance numbers, that sort of thing, um, at, your, at your campaign. So I don't think that either of the elections are really going to have as much of a, an impact on the property market as they perhaps have in previous campaigns. Uh, I think there's far greater things around at the moment like interest rates or potential interest rate movements when they do come. They're far more likely to have a, uh, an impact on the property market um, and potentially even um, developments over in the Ukraine. But that's more of a, an, um, an international um, uncertainty which is impacting a lot more than just the property market. Okay, so today for our, for the story, um, I'm looking back at um, a client that I worked with in 2019 or late 2018 and into 2019. At that time, obviously, there was a lot of talk starting to build around um, negative gearing and land tax and, and that type of thing with the upcoming election. And there was a lot of uncertainty there and whether or not uh, investors would be able to claim negative gearing benefits going forward. So would property investment be a um, something that is not viable going forward? Uh, or certainly not for established homes anyway, because the uh, intent was to certainly still encourage investment in new builds. So we had a client that came to us in late 2018 and said they understood all that, um, but were still very much keen to buy an investment property, um, that it was going to be a 20-year type hold for them. So uh, if there was short-term ups and downs, they weren't too concerned by that. So we were we were searching into 2019, and after a few months, we managed to secure a, uh, a great little terrace house in the inner city suburbs, uh, we paid 1.11 million for that, and that was that was before the May election. Um, and if you then go forward to, uh, and it was a it was a terrace house, one of a pair actually. Um, we go forward to late last year, the other pair of the, those little houses um, came up for sale and ended up um, getting sold under the hammer for 1.41 million dollars. So already $300,000 in, in a, a pretty small space of time. Um, it was in similar condition, a very similar layout um, and land size as well. So it goes to show that you just don't want to let elections sway your decision making, particularly from a buying point of view. It needs to be far more about what works for you. If you find the right property, then that's the way you proceed. So thank you very much for joining me today for episode 24 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. Obviously, as we always say, please feel free to uh, share and encourage um, your friends, family, colleagues to listen to the podcast um, and anyone else who may have an interest in property. And if you'd like any further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au, and we wish you all the best with your property decisions. <music>